Welcome back to the Trees and Nylon podcast. I am your host, Trees and Nylon. You can call me Trees. And I'm joined today by the head honcho of Hikerdelic, the president of Proper Mag, and a certified smock broker himself. It is Mark Smith of all of those things that I just mentioned. Thank you so much for coming on the pod today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Pleasure to be invited and be in all the esteemed company that you've already uh, done there. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for uh, what's the word? Flattering me. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, yeah. I'm just a guy who talks to people on the internet. That's, that's all it is to it. That's all we, now, all we are. Until the everybody empire else is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all everybody else. <laughs> well, Mark, uh, how have you been? Um, I mean, it's been, I saw you in Manchester, showed me around the showroom and all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you were, no, you were kind to enough you. to show me around. Yeah, of course. Thank you for, thank you for inviting me over. I was not really expecting that. Um, walking yeah. around, meeting, meeting the staff there, talking to you in person. It's a real yeah. experience. Good of you to come all the way over to Manchester just to see us. Exactly. That's, I came all the way to England. Like I left America just to come over to the Dicodelic offices, so the proper offices. So yeah, thank you for that. Pleasure. <laughs> Anytime. Of course, um, man, of course. So yeah, we were just saying about your your trip and everything. And mm-hmm. I'm just intrigued to to get your take on the UK, I guess. Yeah. Okay. This is good. This is good. This is this will be a little uh pre-show segment. I'm interviewing um, you now. Let's just... Yeah, you're interviewing me now. Sick. All right. So uh w- just about what in general, just like the vibe of the city or what, what, what exact it, aspect? Was it what you expected? Yeah, I think I think Manchester honestly surprised me a little bit with how much I enjoyed it. Wouldn't move there or anything. I, I don't I don't like living in cities, but um I did. I, I really enjoyed, like we were talking about previously as well, just like the interconnectedness of it all. Like everyone just seems to kind of know each other, especially like Jossie knows everyone here. Mm. Um, shout out to him. But yeah, just like everyone seems to be friends with each other. It's like a very tight scene here, which I really, really enjoyed. And then just in general, I mean, I've seen what the UK countryside looks like. So that didn't really surprise me. Um, honestly, something that did surprise me is how tall everyone was. Like, I, I think we're all going to be like, Game of Thrones dwarves or something. <laughs> no, 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 not like that. But just like, I don't know. Everyone was like six foot or taller, which I guess that's like two meters, I think, in British units. Yeah, but, um, we, we still say six talking feet. Oh, you I do. Think. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, that's also officially. something that surprised me. Actually, I got a few things that surprised me. So yeah. there was that. And we there drink pints the, as well. Like, that's not- yeah, you drink pints. Um, the height of the everyone here, everyone's taller than I thought. Um, you use miles per hour in your cars, mm. which I thought was interesting as well. And um, you call a chicken sandwich a burger. Yeah. Which I thought was bad. I didn't like that. You call yeah, it a burger. No, I'd never questioned that until you mentioned it. And now I'm. <laughs> yeah. Although a chicken sandwich could just be a, an actual sandwich with just chicken on rather than a burger. Exactly. Shape. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I caught already again. <laughs> I caught a lot of grief for saying uh, chips instead of crisps and saying fries instead of chips. But then also I learned that sometimes you do just call fries fries. Like you call a chips a fry sometimes for some reason. Like there's criteria for when a chip is a chip or a fry yeah. is a fry. I feel like fries are like the thin ones. And That's the just chips are the thick ones. Anyway. It's overcomplicated is what it is. It's just too complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could get into all the regional stuff, but we won't do that because no, no, no. talking about what people in different regions call. <laughs> no, definitely not. This is not a reasonable podcast. This is the Trees and Nylon podcast, though, um, where we don't just recount my uh, trips to Europe. We talk more about uh, the two subjects of the podcast being trees and nylon, moving through a past, present, and future progression with both of those topics. So my question for you, Mark, at the I don't know, two minute mark, four minute mark of the episode. Uh, would you like to talk about trees and nylon first? Let's talk about trees. Talk about trees. Seems to be a common theme on here. Um, so talking about trees, let's talk a little bit about your beginnings with like going outside. What was your, what was your past like with the outdoors? Um, question. I've chosen trees and now I don't know what I'm going to say about it. Really. <laughs> I think uh, as a kid, I grew up in a town just south of Manchester mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> on Stockport yeah. and went to school in a town about 15 miles further south. Uh, so always had quite quite a, an interesting sort of 
we had interesting weekends with different groups of kids and stuff. Um, where Stockport is, it's got like the Peak District in one direction and Manchester City Centre in the other. And I had, had a kind of a foot in both camps. So I guess mm-hmm. early on, um, that was probably my most, um, my, my main introduction to it. Um, yeah. And as a kid, I think we went abroad once when I was like four. But then after that, until I was in my teens, we, we always used to go camping every summer. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, nice. So a lot of the UK just... My dad had a trailer tent. Don't know if they oh, yeah. even exist anymore, but like, <laughs> I think they do. Basically, like a, yeah. a trailer that folds out into a tent. Bit, oh, bit yeah. weird. Um, and yeah, so we used to just go all over, all over the UK in, in that, like down to Devon and Cornwall and Wales mm. and yeah, all sorts of different places. So the outdoors, really, that was probably my intro to it. Um, mm. And and also just living close to the Peak District and just always having it there mm. on the doorstep. Um, mm. So yeah, that's probably that's the outdoors and trees for me. And then so, as I got older, I became allergic to trees through hay fever. So ah, yeah. So I'm, got a love hate relationship with them. <laughs> I understand that. Actually, I think I've talked about it here on the pod before. Stop me if I have. I'm going to talk about pollen in Atlanta. Is that have I talked about that? Yeah, go for it. Okay, I've talked about it before, but just just for anyone who hasn't heard, here in Atlanta, um, we have the pollen season here, which we call just like we just call it allergies. You call it hay fever. I've heard, I, I listened or not listened. I was told when I was here by someone, they just call it hay fever, like pollen allergies, basically from trees. Yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. Um, in Atlanta, when we were building the city, when the, not we, when they were building the city, um, uh, they didn't want any fruits on the trees because it would be like messy to clean up the fruits. So they only planted male trees. So no trees that could produce fruits. Um, so now every year we just have this literal haze of yellow fog across the entirety of Atlanta and the Metro Atlanta area where I am, um, where it's just pollen, 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 pollen all over the place. Like you can probably look up like pollen in Atlanta on Google images right now, and you will just see it's astounding. Um, my car just turns green or like a lime green or yellow every single year. Yeah. It's really bad. I'll make Um, sure I avoid any any kind of flights that change it is it, is it still the most um busiest airport in the world Atlanta? it is it's the busiest not not the largest but the busiest yeah so i'll make sure anywhere i'm going i'll, I'll avoid atlanta because it probably hospitalize me <laughs> yeah no it's, it's really weak. bad <laughs> the hay fever <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah so that's that's kind of something that i have to look at every year like genuine genuinely like really debilitates mm-hmm. me but, yeah um, no it's yeah, it's, it's a weird one. Mm-hmm. I've never, I never really had allergies um, growing up. I never really had a lot of pollen allergies, but now, I don't know, getting older, I don't know what's wrong with me, but sometimes I have, uh, sometimes I, once a year, maybe I'll get sick from the pollen yeah. unless I like neti pot or like, apparently if you drink honey or you just like ingest honey from local, yeah. like local honey with local pollen, honey, yeah. in it, you'll like get antibodies. I don't know how it sounds. It sounds right. Sound yeah. Maybe it just needs. You just need to take it like quite a long time. And, yeah, uh, yeah. But it's a weird one. But yeah, I think the outdoors really, as I say, like we're quite lucky in the UK because it's an island, obviously, and it's quite small mm-hmm. in comparison to to the US. Yeah. So you can get realistically, you can get from like not just A to B, but A to Z. Z, mm-hmm. Z. Yeah, you can say Z. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> Z, uh, like realistically, in a day, less than a day, you can get to pretty yeah. much anywhere. So, luckily, um, you know, those formative years, we we spent just seeing a lot of the different coastal areas, and I don't know, it's something that I haven't really replicated with my mm. kids. Like, I feel like I should because mm. there's some amazing places in the UK. Yeah, um, and then yeah, just. Using the UK as like a base, really. My dad took me around when I was younger and I joined Boy Scouts, but like I didn't enjoy it. So he didn't make me keep doing it. But then, you know, I just kind of rediscovered this whole scene on my own. So maybe, you know, I feel like it's nice. Like when, when you have kids, young kids, maybe, cause that's when I started was just like introducing me to a lot of stuff. And then, you know, I could, it's like an influence. I might sit there in the back of my head for a while. Cause like, I, I didn't really go hiking or camping or really anything um 
until I turned like 21, honestly. So it was a long time since I had been before, but I was always outside, like played outside, went to summer camps, that kind of thing. So it was always like a subtle influence in my life, but never as big as it is now, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I think um, I, I've got, where, where I grew up, there's a little area called Happy Valley, which was mm-hmm. like, um, sounds like a Chinese takeaway, but. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Valley, yeah, it does. Um, and it was basically, um, there's like a, a, more of a stream really that just runs parallel to the main road. And and through that, there's just all like trees and everything. And that we used to just go down there like all the time. And, I actually went there recently for the first time in about 20 years with, with my youngest kid to build a den. And, uh, you know, is that what you say? Do you call it a den? What like would you? Little, like a little shelter, like a shack type thing. Like a cabin? Like a log cabin? No, not, or not, not like that. Good. No, just yeah. like loads of sticks piled up to make it. Oh, look oh like yeah, yeah. Just like a, just like a, yeah. Yeah. So basically, I just found a hollowed out tree and um, uh-huh. put loads of sticks over the top of it and told my seven-year-old that we were going to stay there for the night. And uh, he wasn't happy, but um, <laughs> but we didn't anyway. Um, but yeah, I got I got really um, a lot of like allergies to that as well. This is the allergy mm. podcast. This yeah. is the allergy podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was the place I used, I used to go when I was younger. I used to go fishing there and stuff and just generally um, make things and build things and just disappear and lose the day, really. Yeah. This was back in the 40s, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't that. I didn't want to say anything. (laughs) No, no, no. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I am, I am older than most of, I think I might be the oldest person you've interviewed so far. Um, Maybe. I'll have to look through the guest list. Yeah. Obviously, I don't look it, but um, yeah. You don't. You look like you're 24. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, outdoors-wise, that's kind of it, really, for me. Um, we've got the Peak District, as I say, just down the, down the road. Yeah. Um, places like Castleton and mm-hmm. Edale. And did you? Did anybody ever, did anybody mention Eam to you? No, anyway. what's that? How is it spelled? E-Y-A-M. Eam. Right. Famously, it's called the Plague Village of Ian. Oh, <laughs> no. um, I, I can't. I forget. I forget the history, but I think it was where the where like the, the bubonic plague um, all started in England or something. So oh, really? yeah, it's famous for, for being like not very nice. <laughs> well, that's that's like as a kid, things like that stuck with me because it was a uh, mm. really really close by and stuff interesting so that reading on it it says eam isolated itself from the rest of the world when the plague happened so it saved a bunch of villages because they didn't they didn't leave yeah interesting so it's a place yeah it was a good place to go isolation etc being pretty uh they pioneered the, the whole isolation thing <laughs> yeah but, yeah like I don't even know what it was. Did it say what year it was? 1666. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's the thing with this part of the world. We're always uh we're always doing things before everybody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um so going back to your past a little bit, uh we can move on to the present. When you uh were going out camping and stuff with your friends, whose idea was that? Was that more your idea? Or did you have like a buddy that was more into the outdoors? Um, to be honest, the camping started with family. It was like family mm-hmm. holidays, yeah. you know, like annual going away for a week or two weeks or whatever. Um, so it was always like when I was a lot younger up until mm-hmm. maybe 12, 13. And then when I was 16, I think, um, my cousin, who's like a year older than me, we drove down to um, Newquay, which is in Cornwall, like, mm. probably like the UK's main surfing place. Oh, of which there aren't very many because um, the the sea's not very rough. So, mm. um, so yeah, I went down. Did I was there for a week. We spent a week pretending to be like bodyboarders and surfers and stuff. And uh, it was only on I think the second to last day I stood on a weaver fish. 
which they don't like it when you do that. They like sting you. And um, so, yeah, my, my foot kind of swelled up and started bleeding. So I went to the lifeguard and said, uh, look, I think I've stood on some glass or something or a shell. He said, mm-hmm. I, it's a weaver fish thing. I was like, is that bad? No, you'll be okay. You just need to put it in like some water or something. But you know why it stung you? And I was like thinking he was being serious. And he said, uh, I said, no, go on. Why, why has it stung me? I was like, offended it all. Uh-huh. No, it's because you've got your wetsuit on back to front. <laughs> and I literally, both of us for that whole week, literally were wearing our wetsuits back to front, thinking that we had them on the right way around. And that's, <laughs> that's how normal That's what I you. That's yeah. It was a fashion police. That's why it came for you. Exactly. And, and from, <laughs> from that point on, I just developed myself to being wearing things properly. <laughs> There you go. Proper, proper oh, yeah. mag, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we like a, a quad bike came down to the to the shore and everything and like took me up and I was basically trying to take my wetsuit off in agony. because uh, I didn't want to appear well go past hundreds of people wearing this wetsuit back to front, but it was too late. <laughs> I've been doing it all week. Wondering why wondering why the zip on the front has this big <laughs> string on it. <laughs> like, yeah. what's the point of this? <laughs> Why have I got loads of room? Like it, like in yeah. my waist. Yeah. Ass. But um, yeah, that's that's my um, experience of uh, surfing. I don't think I'm, I'm made for it, to be honest. Um, so yeah, that that we went camping that week, and then from that point on, really, I didn't really do anything because, like as I mentioned before, I've got like three kids, got mm. four, three boys, um, mm. seven. 19 and 16. Um, so we have, like, when they were younger, it's just like, you don't really want to be able to camp, go camping with them. It's just like, pain in the ass, really. Um, <laughs> but when they get a bit older, as, as two of them have, like, my eldest, Joe, especially, he, he like, goes goes to kinder and wild camps on his, just him and his mates and stuff. Oh, nice. Um, which is nice. It's good to see because it's like, it's not something I would do in my age, necessarily. Yeah, but I guess because it's a bit more through lockdown and that I think I think people have started to embrace the outdoors and and really kind of get into it properly, which mm-hmm. I guess is is why maybe trend wise clothing and stuff has become more more popular as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did it. I did it with him uh, about six months ago, um, and thought I'd be fine. But I, I took all this gear up, and it was just like I didn't need any of it. You know, like cooking stuff and that. And I got to the top and I was just had this really great tent that I borrowed from Berghaus, which mm-hmm. is one of my favourite brands, Berghaus, if they want to, if they're yeah. listening. Yeah, send uh, stuff. Hook my, hook my guy, Mark up. Yeah, yeah. But the, the thing was, I got to the point where I was that tired when I got there. I just got, I just didn't even bother putting the tent up. just got in the tent with him, <laughs> which was like one of these festival ones, you know, the ones that are like a circle that you yeah. just throw them out and they just pop up. <laughs> And I just slept in that because I was so tired. So I'm, I'm out of shape, really, I think. Um, but prior to that, um, since we started proper, which I guess we'll get on to at some point. Yeah. Um, pro- so proper, like, as a magazine, we, we cover, like, outdoor brands, fashion mm. brands, sportswear brands. And Clattermoosen paid for myself and Neil, who was the co-founder um, with myself, Mm. Paid for us to go over to Aura in Sweden, which is like yeah. a big ski resort. But it you did wasn't it before it was cool. You did it before the other other influencers got there. You can say that. I <laughs> I can agree with you, but yeah, no. It was I think I think Clatamusen at that point was trying to sort of uh break the UK market and they, mm. I think they've been in Oipaloi as well briefly. Yeah. Um and then they went away and they seem to have come back again recently. It's a brilliant brand, like an amazing amazing brand for what they do and you know we've got got the chance to go around their hq and just see how everything's done and it was just really nice just to see how a proper swedish outdoor brand works um they really looked after us as well um but when when gons the the main guy there said to us that he was going to take us up uh i'm going to try and say this properly but, uh, or a scooter mm-hmm. which is i didn't realize until we got there that it's bigger than anything in the uk Higher, higher than, higher than like you know Snowdon and, and Nevis and anything that we can muster in this part of the world. And um, I didn't think he, I didn't think he meant it. I think it was just a joke. 
because I didn't think that was something that we could just do. And it was, it turned out. <laughs> um, so me and Neil were like, we took boots just in case. Ray, the photographer, was wearing a pair of Vesta pumps and he didn't have anything else. <laughs> so we had to go to the one and only sports shop in, in that town and um, found that actually like hiking boots are quite expensive and we didn't have the budget for them, neither did Ray. So we had to lend him some trail running shoes, which he wore. <laughs> but genuinely, four sizes too big for him. Wow. He's a seven and they were an 11. Four sizes yeah. too big. Yeah. There were some nines even... as well, but he said the 11s were better. So I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense. And he only f- fell over about five or six times. So <laughs> Only five or six. Yeah, yeah. And he managed to save all his equipment, which was good. Because that would have been... Yeah, would have been false economy not buying him the right shoes and, and, and all his camera stuff just get fucked. <clears throat> but yeah, but he was, wanted um, the 11s. He wanted yeah, he the, chose 11s. the 11s. The nines were there. Yeah. <laughs> and then it raised, <laughs> we, we got up to the top and, uh, well, about halfway up probably, and then slept, camped out for the night. And again, that was like the first time I've probably wild camped ever. And mm. this was only about five years ago. Um, and we had this tent that we borrowed and where we pitched it, there was like this tuft of earth or grass and it somehow ended up being in the middle of the tent. So naturally Ray was doing what he was doing and me and Neil bagsied our spots and we were either side of this, like like a natural pillow in the middle. Yeah. So we were like, oh, this would be good for you, Ray. You can sleep in between us and you've got a pillow. It'd be really comfortable. Yeah. And it wasn't. <laughs> So he kind of got the shitty end of the stick, really. Um, well, and then he had to put up with us saying that we were we were the bread. And his, his surname's Chan. So he, uh, we, were the, we were the bread in a Chanwich. Um, <laughs> or a Chanini, or whatever you want to call Chinini. it. Chanini. So, and then, yeah, the next morning we woke up absolutely, like, beyond thirsty. Because, again, I wasn't expecting to go all the way up there. Yeah. We just took our... Again, this this is probably to like seasoned outdoor people drinking water from a from like a lake is like no big deal. But to us, it was like, oh, I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna drink some Swedish water. Yeah, so we that did. Is cool. and it was just like I, m- I remember every time Neil t- tells his story, it's like the nicest water he's ever drunk in his life. Yeah, even had bits in it. It was still nice. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we did that and then completed the final bit. And having started the. The, the journey up there wearing shorts and t-shirt and sweating mm. we were like fully fully geared up walking walking across big ice sheets and stuff so wow it was like I'd say in my life like outside of the obvious and outside of seeing my football team promoted recently congratulations probably thanks uh, probably the the most yeah just the most what's the word uh I said at the time, life affirming, but I think that's a bit dramatic. But like, it was just such a, it was such like a moment because I've never been somewhere where there's been such a, a lack of noise and like, you know, there's no distant traffic or anything. It's just like complete silence and peacefulness and it was mm. just amazing. Um, so yeah, we did that. And then since then, we've worked with a few outdoor brands. Um Neil's still working with um, with Haglofts at the moment. Um, we've worked with Mammut. We've worked with Berghaus. We've worked with uh, lots of others. Keen Footwear we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that, we've been lucky enough to, to get the opportunity to go and test gear and, and you know, actually just go and shoot content for them and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been a nice introduction to... To the outdoors as a, as a kind of <laughs> bit of a late bloomer, I guess. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, there's no such thing as being too late to go outside. So, no, definitely not. Absolutely. Um, not. And I'm gonna now the season's over. I'm gonna be out there every weekend. I think. So yeah, all good. Um, nice stuff. So yeah, that's, that's probably a long-winded way of explaining. Uh, probably leads <laughs> on to proper, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that you've already, I mean, you kind of, you hit everything in the, in the tree section, you talked about what you do now, how you, you know, congratulations again for the team being promoted. That's how you've been getting outside. Haven't had time to uh, go hiking as much recently. And then you talk about the future also of now that the season's over, you're going to get out there. You said once a week. 
that's that's the plan, but it never works out that way because yeah, I mean it's a good day you know. think I'm gonna get go and get on that train, I'm gonna carry all this stuff and I'm gonna get ready and yeah. just I get that. I'm just gonna stay in bed a bit longer. <laughs> but realistically, um yeah, I think maybe next weekend um I'll I'll we I've managed to borrow a sixty six degrees north uh Heim Planet tent, which is like ah thousand pounds worth of kit um <laughs> and it's really I've, I've actually put it up twice because it's inflatable mm. so you inflate it and it and that like the structure builds itself um put it up in the office put it up in my garden at home and <laughs> um, in both cases i've not actually like used it or anything but now that i know what i'm doing with it which is pretty straightforward to be honest um mm-hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna take it up into the peak district Hopefully this this coming weekend. Um, it's uh, I'm gonna I, I think I think you call it geo geodesic something. Basically, just means it's balanced. I think the geodesic, yeah. geodesic, yeah, something like that. Just means it's balanced. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm looking at other tents. Um, actually, looking at that, someone had. I, I assume that sixty six degrees north is the only company that makes inflatable tents. I haven't heard no, of it. No, it's Heim Planet that do it. Heim, Heim I'm saying Planet. Heim. It might be Heim Planet. I don't know. My German's Whatever. not great. <laughs> Who's going to check me? Heim sounds more German, doesn't it? Well, Heim, or... Heim's the name of the band, isn't it? Heim? I don't know. <laughs> Hebrew or something. Oh. Heim, no, I think Heim sounds German. But anyway, um, yes, the, the Heim Planet, Heim Planet, whatever. Uh, someone had one of those at first camp. Um, they, were, they were pumping it up at first camp. Was and it the I big red one? No, it was a, it was a, was it blue or green? It was either blue or green. It wasn't, it wasn't the collab tent. It was one of the different ones. Yeah. Did that win first prize then? Was that the best tent? No. You, you need no. the, uh, I don't, I don't know if there was prizes. I don't think Snow Peak would give it to a tent that wasn't <laughs> the Snow yeah, Peak that's tent. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. What was it yeah, just I like, almost like when you, I guess, when you park your car and, you're at like a party or something and you're like, I need to make sure I'm in my good car. Like <laughs> the best car I can take or whatever. It was almost like, I need to make sure I take the good tent. Yeah, Not that everyone's yeah. got like loads of cars and loads of tents, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I understand. You, it's like the the flex. You have to bring out yeah. the coolest tent. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, it's a shame I didn't go to that. I was, um, I was invited, but I didn't go because mm. as we discussed, I was watching a, Fifth year football club. You're watching an important game. You're watching some important games. Very important game. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, stop what County. That's all I'll say. We'll move on quickly. <laughs> uh, awesome. I guess we can move on to the, the nylon portion now if you're cool with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so the, what's the question like? Um, yeah. yeah. How, how'd you get, how'd you get started? Yeah. With clothing. Yeah. I mean, this, I guess it also ties into hydrodelic. We can talk about whatever comes to your mind, honestly, because it's all kind of tied together, it seems like. Dangerous. You don't want to talk about whatever comes into my mind. <laughs> all right. Maybe just, not everything that comes into your mind. Deviating into crap football and swearing. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think clothing-wise, like I mentioned before about where I grew up and how like one side of my family um, were from like just south of the city centre in Manchester. Mm. So I had a lot, of, as a kid, like in the 80s, 90s, there was a lot of, you could see the, the pronounced difference between the kids in certain areas who had less money or more money or were more kind of, it always felt like the trends kind of radiated out of the city centre and just sort of dripped down into the next town and the next town. And because mm. I was going to a school 15 miles to the south and I was coming into the city centre and I was just mixing in lots of different circles I became quite aware of like, you know, certain mu- certain music became like popular in, in, in Manchester before it did where I was mm. and I'd be on it a bit quicker and it kind of became currency in school and stuff that um, people I was knocking about with at weekends, like in, in, my, in my grandparents' house or whatever, they were like listening to certain music before the kids at school were. By, by a good six months. And I think it's a pretty common theme. I think if you ask anybody about like the, the childhood and talk about music or fashion or 
whatever really it always kind of radiates from one place and mm. I think because of that that kind of made me quite interested in that kind of thing um then again as a kid we my dad ran a, a football team a junior football team and for some reason I'm not sh- still not sure why he put an ad in the Manchester Evening News for players even though the team was like from like six seven miles away mm-hmm. so we ended up with all these you know the term scally no what's that kind of the proto chav you know what chav is yeah yeah it's basically like a, uh i guess what we'd call again i'm going to use a word that you maybe like a bit rum a bit a bit <laughs> a bit um what's the word just just a bit rough basically um Sorry. Scally, yeah. Scally's Scally's what people used to call chavs before chavs became a word, really. Uh, Although I kind of think they're a different animal, but anyway. (laughs) So there was a lot of these scallies that were basically, you know, a couple of them ended up uh, serious scallies later in life um, when watching Man United and getting up to no good. But um, they they were like my window into, they were a year older than me as well because I was playing a year old. And they were my window into what was going to happen, basically clothing-wise or music-wise or football-wise or anything, really. And so I had all that coming coming at me as a as like an 11, 12-year-old. Um, and I'd kind of repeat things they'd said at school and notice the reaction was quite positive and stuff like that. And I'd be like, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm quite... I became sort of... There was people in school that were like, I'd always go, what are you doing at the weekend? And it'd be like really exciting in comparison to what they were doing. Whereas it was just like just knocking about playing football, not really doing anything amazing. Um, so, yeah, the, the football side of it, especially, I guess that was my intro to football uh, to to clothing because you know, obviously, you need a pair of boots, you need yeah. you need like a tracksuit top, or you you then get into the um, the the world of like which players wear which boots, which mm-hmm. brands do what. And after the World Cup in '86, the World Cup in '90, and you're watching it in this huge, massive festival of football everywhere apart from America by that point. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, just just getting into it and being really brand aware as well because of that, like knowing that the trainers that were eight quid off the market were just not the thing to wear to school, whereas yeah. the more expensive stuff that was harder to get hold of. That's the stuff you wanted. And, and you also wanted to be the first to get it as well. Um, so really just having all of that around me. And then I think probably around the same time, um, Adidas opened their UK distribution centre in Stockport, where I'm from. And not just mm-hmm. in the town, but like a mile from where I lived. Um, yeah. Because my dad ran a local taxi company, he kind of knew a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So really early on, there was a guy who, who we like took around everywhere and he got us into the staff shop. So mm. the, the sort of what we now call EQT Adidas and yeah, yeah. that whole equipment era with the new logo and that. At the time mm. I was a bit like, I'm not really into this, but now obviously <laughs> it's like, you know, it's pretty good. And a lot of football teams are wearing their kits as well. So so the opportunity to wear like a Marseille third shirt for football training was just like perfect. Because <laughs> I'd get it for yeah. really cheap in the staff shop. and then the next week I'd be wearing a Germany away shirt or a Portugal shirt or some other shirt that, that like you probably wouldn't normally get in most of the sports shops in the UK. Mm. Um, now you can get anything from anywhere. Like, but back then it was like, again, just that ability to kind of wear something and kind of get a little bit of a nod, which <laughs> I guess what we're, <laughs> everybody does it, I guess, but like, yeah. Not dissecting it. I don't want to get too psychological about it, but it's just self-expression, isn't it? Really, you just want to wear stuff that you're into to make to, to make yourself more interesting, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that trainers-wise that naturally followed, and then um, just yeah, just going through school, um, same sort of stuff, um, being just brand aware all the time, yeah. and that, that naturally is as like a young adult led me to write for fanzines because I used to always read fanzines, like football fanzines especially. Um, I liked I liked the fact that the people that wrote in them were always like 
from a similar background to me, really. Like, they weren't shy of the odd swear word, but in the same sentence, <laughs> word that you maybe had to look up the meaning of, which I always found really appealing. Like, just, yeah, just, it wasn't like, you know, rough people and posh people, like, mm-hmm. the rough people couldn't, would only swear and that was it. And the posh people were the ones that used the long words, but the bit in between was the bit where I always felt that's that's the bit, like, the clever bit mm-hmm. that's built up the people kind of thing. So we, um, yeah, I met Neil, Neil Summers, Neil Summers underscore, shout him out. Shout Neil uh, Summers underscore on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and so we, we worked together in a call centre, um, which is what every fanzine or magazine editor dreams of doing, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and we just found ourselves in a quite fortunate position, really. It was like a call centre for an IT training company. So we, this was like 99, 2000, something like that. We, um, we, were, we were like guinea pigs on a lot of courses for like web-related things and, um, you know, design and just various different things. And contract that we were there to work on ended. They got rid of a lot of staff, but kept a few of us, basically to do nothing, just <laughs> in case they the contract. So yeah. we we're all on like secondments to all these other other um, departments uh-huh. to like learn other things. But really, we were just there just to keep, kind of keep holding pattern almost. Um, mm. And at that point, because we had that spare time, we were like going out a bit weekends, and we just thought we should do something. This knowledge that we've acquired and the rest of the stuff that we, you know, that we've been doing. Um, let's let's put like a website together. We mm. put like a, a the formative version of like a, a blog together without really realizing what we were doing. And everybody said, oh, you need to do it in print. So we did a fanzine and then everybody mm. went, I need to do a website. Well, <laughs> what, what does everybody want? <laughs> like what do we need to do? Yeah. So again, this was like pre-social media really. Um, so we did both basically. And at the same time, I was, by that point when I'd I'd left work, and uh, that's when Joe was born, who's my 19-year-old now. Mm. <clears throat> and so I was looking after him in the days, and just kind of feeling my brain shrinking, watching kids' TV all day, and just do something. I wanted to make it not shrink, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, just started learning how to like do, use desktop publishing software and like just use a computer to do something that was interesting um reading a lot of books about the early years of publications like this which i don't know if you'd be aware of but um just very just a very funny satirical magazine that was you know at its height was selling millions in like the late 80s and just being inspired by that and the internet being what it was it democratized a lot of things so it made things that weren't accessible to me five years before leaving school, suddenly I could like, I could like do them on my terms. So I could learn how to do stuff that maybe my careers advisor didn't think was for me or whatever. So eventually ended up writing for, for the fanzine and we just called it proper and we sold it on forums and stuff. Um, mm. The old 80s casuals forum, Crooked Tongues, Casual Co, our own forum. We just sell a couple of hundred copies. Um, mm. And then, yeah, that was like kind of end of chapter one. <laughs> and then, yeah, that's that's pretty much it, really. That's the beginning of proper. Um, we just carried on doing that naturally. And doors, doors opened for us naturally because we were doing it for so long. We got to know people. We got better at what we were doing. Um, Neil ended up working in TV and interviewing people like Katie Perry, which was pretty really? mad. Yeah. Um, amongst lots more interesting people, to be fair, like you know, people like David, David Frost, he interviewed. I got like completely wrong. <laughs> A lot of people are like you know Ma- Michael Palin, like people that were you know very influential and very respected. Um, worked on a lot of TV programs. I guess through that, kind of gained more skills himself. Um, but then. Around that time, I started working for Oakley, doing all their, um, doing a lot of their social and their uh, writing for their blog. At a time when shops really didn't have blogs, like you know, it wasn't just this cynical SEO 
move. It was like, no, we want to want to make it like engageable. We want to sell whatever it is that we're doing by talking about the things we're into, um, which was pretty pioneering at the time, certainly in in our part of the world, anyway. Um, mm. And then just did that for a while, and after that, it became clear that I felt like I needed to go to uni. Mm. I needed to go and get like a, a qualification. Uh, because I just felt like, a, uh, you know, like that imposter syndrome when you feel like you're, <laughs> yeah. you're doing stuff and you're thinking, how am I getting away with this? Like yeah. people are yes. paying me to do this stuff, but I'm not meant to be doing this. Someone's just given me the keys and it's a mistake. Someone's going to find me up. <laughs> so I felt like to counteract that, I needed to apply to go to university to do a, a journalism degree, which mm. I got, in, got into Salford University to do. Mm-hmm. Went first day and then go back. <laughs> um, All right. Nobody like <laughs> nobody touched me or anything. It wasn't. There's no like trauma involved. <laughs> just um, it was just the way that first week worked out. It was um, we we, we James Brown, um, who's like a bit of a legend in nineties sort of culture in England. Um, mm-hmm. He founded Loaded Magazine, which was massive, um, and he liked what we were doing with Proper wanted to do some some work with us so mm-hmm. myself and neil went down on like i've been to uni on the monday when we went down there tuesday wednesday had a big conversation with him he helped us with a couple of issues at the same time oi Poloi said actually this this little bit of freelance work that you're doing we want you to do a lot more of it so i was like mm-hmm. actually i don't need to i need to kind of shit i'll get off the pot a little bit with university now so yeah i got off the pot and didn't go, but I just deferred it for a year, but then never went. And from that point, just carried on doing freelance stuff. And then eventually that led to myself and Neil going full-time with it. Um, and that's kind of taken us up to maybe the last, about a year ago. Neil's now oh, doing, really? was doing stuff on his own. Uh, no, it was, it was six years ago that we went full-time. Okay, okay. But then about a year ago during the pandemic and stuff, Neil decided to go it alone. Um, so he's doing a lot of stuff, similar kind of thing, really, but doing stuff on his own. Um, mm-hmm. We're doing what we do, and uh, everything's all good. So, yeah, that's a long. It's second breath now. That's a long story. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for sharing all that. That was the whole history. I mean, um, that's what I was kind of looking for, you know, because it is like such a big figure in the scene. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like there's a lot of history there. So I'm glad you could regale me and also the listeners with that whole, you know, story of it. I, as a bridge as it may be, you know? Yeah, as long as people haven't fallen asleep, that's the main thing. <laughs> so with Hikerdelic, yes. how did how did that all come about? You get ready to tell another giant story, of course, but how did, well, how did the Hikerdelic thing start from the proper mag? One day. <laughs> <laughs> no, what happened was, because we'd gone full time with proper, we realized that, you know, because we were pretty early on social media and we did what we did and we built our our audience. It's not it's not like a vast audience, but it's big for what it is and mm-hmm. quality as well. And I think we realized that there were people that were looking to us. Sometimes they would they would be into what we write about, or, you know, a lot of the time, hopefully. And as a result, we could we could kind of make a living out of that. And yeah. so we did that with proper. We did it through doing some more like agency type stuff through proper. Mm. But then what we realized was we, with Instagram and Facebook and everything as it was, we had like an audience ready made to sell yeah. stuff who we were only selling a magazine to like twice a year. Mm. Um, and we felt by that point we knew enough to kind of do a few t-shirts here and there. So that's what we did. And um, initially we did, um, we did a t-shirt with Topo Designs um that's the first psychedelic t-shirt that we ever did and knowing what i know now compared to then uh yeah it, the money that we made on, on them was like mental like no money whatsoever because we wanted to do everything like as good as we could do it we sold 100 of them and it was great but like uh that we didn't do anything with it with psychedelic after that for a good couple of years Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing began I, I was like like I played football as a kid my kids played football I, I ran the team and stuff and mm-hmm. there was one particular 
uh, game, which was up in the hills, like in some some like Peak District town, and um, I was wearing like I think I was wearing like Dana boots and like a um, some sort of like brightly coloured jacket or something. Mm-hmm. And I was just sat in the. My dad was driving, and I was sat in the front, and I was like just on Twitter scrolling. And I just I just sort of tweeted something like you do on Twitter, like just throw away, you know, I'm wearing this. I'm the king of Hykedelia. <laughs> just like, that was it. And then yeah. like a minute later, I got a text of somebody who works in kind of fashion and stuff. He said, you need to, you need to trademark that. I was like, that was, yeah. it's, that's like nothing. <laughs> that was, I think that was 2012. Oh, wow. Um, so for about two or three years, maybe we, we just sort of used the word hikadelic as like a bit of a, a a catch-all term for outdoor brands, basically outdoor mm-hmm. brands that had really colored clothing, which there seemed to be quite a lot of. And then I had to be convinced really that the hikadelic was a brand. I just thought that nah, it's just a just a scene, like a little miniature scene that was that's not really a thing. But I think like anything, if you look at the names of a lot of brands, like if you sat down and decided to name a brand, you wouldn't call a brand Dickies. You wouldn't call a brand, you know, some of the names you just wouldn't call yeah. them. You take on the, the characteristics of the name, like the name's almost mm. secondary. So in our case, it's actually, you know, it, it's worked out pretty well because it's that, it's quite a memorable word for a lot of people. Although quite a lot of people don't seem to know how to spell it properly. But that's, um, really? Hyperdelic? Yeah. Well, yeah, a little bit. Like, there's a few Ks knocking about and stuff. But, really? Well, then no one can spell Carhartt either, so... I can. The double T that, that confuses yeah. people in, like, two hours and stuff. Anyway. <laughs> um, so we did we did what we did, really. We did some T-shirts, and then from that point, um, we were introduced to a guy called Darren Newman, who's a genius, basically. Uh, he is an illustrator and I'd say he's like world-class, like one of the best illustrators, typographers and stuff that I, I think you could ever find really. And he was on our doorstep. He was like mm-hmm. from Stockport as well, like us. Um, and he created us a logo. And at that point it was just a t-shirt. No, there was nothing to be done. Yeah. And we just did some t-shirts, got a friend to model them in Manchester and then sold them. And they went well, and that was it. And next thing, we were looking at socks. So we did some socks with the UK manufacturer. Around the same time, we um, we were commissioned by um, a UK retailer to go and interview the head of design at Barber up in wow. uh, Shields, I think. Mm-hmm. A guy called Ian Bergen. Um, and luckily, Neil took him a pair of socks as like a, a gift. An offering. <laughs> and he, he gave them to him and he just looked at them and he just went, oh, we should do something together. <laughs> Taking well, a piss. Yeah. Of course we should. And and <laughs> you're kind of playing along, but you're kind of thinking again, that imposter syndrome, like, yeah, is this somebody going to come out and like with a hidden camera in a minute? <laughs> yeah, so, where's the camera? Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, and even when we came back and like discussed it, you know, with our business partners and stuff, they were like, they'll never do a collaboration with you. And we're like, yeah, we know. Like, <laughs> we know that that's not something that you would expect to happen, but it makes, you know, they, they want to do it. So yeah. we did it. It went really, really well. Um, I think more than anything, quite apart from the fact that it, like, introduced us to a few people, more than anything, I think it, me personally, it just gave us the faith that it was a, it had legs as a real brand rather mm-hmm. than just a, an Instagram t-shirt type thing. Um, yeah. So from there, bit by bit, we've spent more and more time on it and turned it into something real. We've done collaborations with Kickers, uh, Yogi, uh, Navesta, uh, loads of others that I've probably forgotten that I shouldn't forget. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think about six weeks ago, Sophie, the designer, who'd been working on it freelance is now, she's, she's now in the door permanently. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> good job. And 
keeping me on my toes really and making me remember stuff that I would forget usually. So yeah, it's all good. Um got a couple more collaborations this year. Um one with a musician mm. that I'm probably not really meant to say anything about just yet. Okay. Yeah, I won't press I won't um, press. But yeah, that that should be really big. And then another one with a footwear brand called Flower Mountain. Um so they're they're looking really good. There's two two different styles we've done. Um mm. one's like um sort of Nike Amiga Flame inspired, like mm. lots of reds, yellows, and oranges and stuff. Mm. Not not in the way it looks, just in the colours. Um yeah. and then the other one's um called the Backcountry, which is one of their models that we've taken some colours and customize a little bit um so yeah we've done some t-shirts to go alongside that and uh we're doing a beer that's an exclusive um, beer interesting yeah which will be i would say quite strongly of interest to listeners of this book, especially <laughs> yeah. ones that are from around here oh yeah um, definitely i've seen the boys drink <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, we'll see how that goes. We're due to have a meeting tomorrow, so hopefully that all comes comes together and uh yeah, it'll all work out well. So I think I think the future really is just working with people that the future is working with people that are uh, you know, of a similar mind that have something we don't have and we have something they don't have, and just working together and just like building something that is lasting and mm. authentic. And the outdoors bit is what I like about hiking is that most people can do it. Yeah. And I kind of want hikedelic to be something that most people can identify with one way or another. We don't want to, we don't want to put ourselves in too much of a box. And I think it's yeah. quite a conscious thing that we're going to try and more so than before, try and just do the unexpected a little bit at times and not just say we're a hiking brand because we're not really that. We've never really been a hiking brand in the truest sense because we don't mm-hmm. make in, like highly technical outwear or anything, yeah. making stuff for people who want to go for a walk and occasionally mm-hmm. go up a little hill and down a little hill and <laughs> have a sit down and that's it really. Um, exactly. So that's that's what Hikadelic is. Nice. Would you mind telling me a little bit about your personal style? Now that we've gone over the stuff that you're making and all that, what are you personally wearing besides, of course, Hikerdelic and the brands that you work with? Do you want me to put my camera on? I'm not wearing anything at the moment. <laughs> no, um, I am. Currently, I'm wearing... He's not, he's not wearing anything. He just turns his camera on. He's fully naked. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm wearing a pair of uh, Mizuno Foot Patrol trainers. Nice. Which isn't typical of me, but you've asked, you know, that's what I'm wearing today. Uh, Sockwise, I have a pair of Brothers Ace Hotel collaboration socks. I'm wearing a pair of Uniqlo trousers mm-hmm. that are really good because they're for people with long legs to wear where they're like ankle height, but I've got shortish mm-hmm. legs, so they fit me just right. Okay. Um, and I'm wearing a Grimichi t shirt, which I picked mm-hmm. up from a sale, and Stone mm-hmm. Island corduroy shirt so that you know in a strange way not that i was thinking in those terms but like <laughs> it's probably a decent you know example of what i'd normally wear day to day it's a bit of a mixture of a bit of outdoor a bit of sport and a bit of like football hooligan i guess yeah yeah <laughs> i um, really i've been admiring the uh, stone island cardigan for the whole time it looks amazing it's like a green like a dark green corduroy yeah it's nice. um yeah, it's just really, really good. It's the kind of thing that when I bought it, it was like, I can't spend that kind of money on on something that I'm not going to wear loads, but I've worn yeah. it low. Yeah, it looks awesome. It's very, it's a good find. I think good even find. if I sold it on now and stuck it on whatever whatever the kids are using to resell these days. <laughs> oh, Depop. That's what the kids yeah. are using, it seems, Depop. or Grailed. What about Vinted? Is anybody using Vinted? I've never even heard of that. Um. Vinted. Yeah. No, never heard of that. Maybe it's a UK thing, but I haven't heard of it here. Yeah. I think my eBay account is it says joined in nineteen ninety something. <laughs> so yeah, eBay's not really people don't use eBay anymore, do they? Not as much. Um, I feel like people use 
in this scene at least, I feel like there's a there's a lot of Depop, there's a lot of Yahoo Auctions Japan, obviously, and then Grailed maybe or eBay. One of the two is probably after that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think if I if I sold this same shirt on eBay or wherever, I'd probably get my money back and more, which is probably a good sign of you know mm. decent really, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, not that anybody sort of using me as their uh, style guru anytime soon. I just tend to wear the uh, same old shit, really. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> Uniform dress, nothing wrong with that. Corduroy t-shirts, stuff that's comfortable and, um, yeah, nothing too expensive apart from maybe outerwear in winter, which... Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's got. I mean, you want to you want to stay warm, right? Yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I've got a really nice ten C jacket that um, I got hold of this winter. Really, just just really like bomb proof kind of. You know, if we get blown up next winter, get proof. It's not actually bomb proof. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's just really good. It's just really well constructed. Uh, I've got a couple of CP jackets. I've got. Mm-hmm. Some more, um, quite a few old sort of vintage Gore-Tex type things, um, which, yeah, but, I mean, eBay is such a, it's a good place to get hold of like stuff like that. You can get, um, yeah, some really good bargains. Like if you just mm-hmm. type in vintage Gore-Tex, there's so many like great old jackets that they might not be Arcteryx or whatever the, the brand is. <laughs> really the kids like really these days, yeah. Into, but, some out there that are like as good as anything you could get early and you pay like 50 quid for something um so yeah just things like that really i've, I've sold mm-hmm. buy and sell so much and i have done for a long time because i don't really have like a anywhere to put anything anymore mm. <laughs> one of those people who you know those documentaries where somebody, somebody like finds a body in a house and like they can't get through the door because it's piled high full of jackets that'll be made uh-huh. That's you. That's going to be you just full of vintage Cortex jackets and a dead body Guy somewhere. doing what he loved. Holding <laughs> um, Beautiful. I'll look up yeah, that that's, that's pretty much it. Like clothing wise, just, I just like things that I like really. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I've evolved a little bit, but I'm getting to that age where maybe I'll start to be a bit safer. Uh, like it's kind of an unwritten rule. Like should, should a man of 43 years be wearing sneakers? Yeah, I don't. Th- hey, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Honestly, you like what you I like. Agree. That's what you said. I like what I like. Exactly. But you, these people out there are like, oh no, come on, that's not wearing shoes. Come on, they are shoes. They are, right. It's everything. Right, it's yeah. shoes. What do you want me to? You want me to start wearing just like boring shoes? No, this. I, I think that's stupid. That's a bad take. <laughs> that's a bad take. You can just wear whatever totally. you want. Whatever. Who cares, I man? Agree. And I think like my kids go to a, a school where they have a really strict dress code. And uh-huh. they, they sent out a thing. Uh, they send, seem to send it every every couple of years, and it's like a, a sheet that says what is acceptable footwear. Mm. And it's basically there's a big cross next to everything that looks half decent, and a big tick <laughs> to the kind of shoes that would get your head kicked in in any part of the world ever, like the worst <laughs> shoes in the world. Yeah, and I'm like, why are they trying to make you dress like a dick? <laughs> it actually. <laughs> It's one of my pet hates. Like, why they're just trying to make you like wear the worst shoes ever and yeah. tell you that you're going to be excluded if you don't. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want that. Wear these. These are good. <laughs> and they get thrown out. But no, I think footwear's it's, it's it's a common thing. But footwear, I guess, is is where it all begins. Really, mm-hmm. you look at sort of streetwear and that and sneaker yeah, culture, yeah. intrinsically linked with it. And I think on this you know, my part of the world and my kind of age group is like trainer culture. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of what proper came from was was like, you know, before Special, Adidas Special and before originals really started to do what they were doing, what they are doing now, it was like eBay, you know, vintage City Series Adidas, mm-hmm. vintage leisure shoes, that kind of stuff. Um and yeah, I think just that that world and that appreciation for something a little bit different, a little bit out of the ordinary, is timeless, really. No matter what yeah. age you are and when, what era you're living in. So, 
And it sounds like with you and for me as well, like honestly, subliminally, uh, starting with like football boots is kind of where it also kicked off with me as well. You know, I was into like the new, whatever, whatever companies make, I was like super big into the scene of like, Oh, Nike just made a shoe with a sock on it. Oh, Adidas just made a shoe with like no laces on it at all. How's that going to play? Like, you know, the, the hyper venoms and the mercurials and the magistas, that was like my era of growing up. And then that, that like, that like hype of, football boots kind of went over to like, Oh, Supreme is a thing. Let's go see what they're doing. You know what I mean? Football boots are like a gateway drug to sneak. It is. Up. Yeah. It honestly is. Yeah. My, my first, uh, well, my first boots were terrible. They were a brand by Gola. I never even called it. Gola. Yeah. Kind of like this, the two stripe brand in the UK. <laughs> two stripe brand. Uh-huh. They were still around and they're still doing the uh-huh. thing. But for me at that age, they were just kind of like, Again, like the cheap, cheap alternative. Um, mm-hmm. But then after that, I was wearing brands like, obviously Adidas, Mitre. Uh, like Nike weren't really doing football at that time for me. I don't think they ever really mm-hmm. did anything until maybe like the late eighties. Oh, wow. Even then, in a pretty small way. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like brands like Umbro, and uh, mm-hmm. there was a lot of smaller brands like Paul Gascoigne and and Gary Lineker at that time. Paul Gascoigne wore. Um, Brooks, which mm-hmm. is like a, like a running brand, I think. Yeah, uh, it is. And Gary Lineker wore a brand that seemed to have just been created out of where that he could endorse called Quasar. They weren't very good. I, mm-hmm. I had a pair that like held water. You know, like they were like sponges. I'd play in any kind of wet, like, <laughs> wet weather and it was like running around wearing sponges on your feet. Um, but then the I think the point when I realized that like it was a technical conversation we were having, not just a stylistic one, was mm-hmm. when the first Adidas Predator came out mm-hmm. and they had like that sort of scaly crocodile looking, uh, that sort of bit on the front to help you curl the ball and to help you do all sorts of tricks and stuff. Now, obviously I could already do those things just in my feet or uh, in my socks, but, uh, any, any boots that can make you a little bit better, like a, a real thing. I've yeah. still got them. Still got a pair. Second issue, <laughs> um, and I took them out for a little spin. Like took them out of the shed, like an old car, and uh, it was like just they were just terrible. <laughs> like playing with bricks on your feet because um, they were just so much heavier than what what I'm used to still playing with these days. So yeah, um, just makes you think like. We must footballers must have been really, really good in the old days when they had to wear like really crappy boots. Especially mm. going back to like, you know, like nailed in like uh, nailed in studs and things like that. But um but right yeah, a passage to wear bad boots. <laughs> definitely upgrade. Yeah. 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 Um yeah, even now like football's still not a real <laughs> Yeah. Even playing when I can even in my years. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much style-wise and all of that. I think it all leads back to football for me. And I guess that must be a common theme for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, not everybody, but definitely me. Uh, yeah, you've touched on so much, I should say, with, with everything you've talked about. I think, honestly, you might have covered everything already. Yeah, I don't usually do things like this, to be honest. But- <laughs> We did a great um, job. You you covered a lot. Yeah, it used to be that, that Neil was much better at things like this than me when oh, yeah. it came to and stuff. But um, you know, you can't. I don't know if you've got a really small comfort zone, then you're not really pushing yourself, are you? So exactly. Like, well, thank you for coming on these today. things. More people ask me to do these things, and maybe I'll keep on doing them. Exactly. Hey, everyone! Everyone that starts a podcast, which will be no one. No one started a podcast. All right. This is my scene. This is my turf. So back yeah. off. All right. <laughs> I'm going to do a new podcast called Flowers and Gore-Tex. Yeah. Uh, Fleece Appreciation Society said he was going to start one called Shrubs and Teflon, which I thought had a pretty good. Uh, <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. That's a pretty good ring to it. Um, but also, if you do start that, I will be suing you. Um, so for both of you, just want to put that out there. <laughs> do you have anything else you want to tell me before we wrap things up here? Um, not really. No, I mean, I think, like I say, I don't usually do these things, so I'm not, I don't know how much <laughs> of, 
overshared, undershared. Yeah. But, um, it's I think it was just the right amount of sharing. Yeah. Good. There you it's, go. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think we've covered everything. I think there's probably things that I'll remember afterwards that I should have mentioned, but okay. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, you can come on the Patreon and you can uh, fill in the gaps if you left anything out. Uh, Patreon.com slash trees and nylon uh, for anyone out there. Um, yeah, besides that, uh, I think that's all I got for you today. So thank you for coming on. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks for asking. Of course. Me. Of course. To meet man. you again, even yeah. if it's virtual. Yeah. Again, Mark, thank you so much. Uh, everyone go follow Hiker Delic and Proper Mag. They got some sick clothes. You just announced, um, well, by the time this comes out, it'll be a while ago, but those Gore-Tex jackets, are they Gore-Tex? Gore-Tex. What are they? The waterproof. The waterproof, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those they're, waterproof they're, jackets they're probably as good as Gore-Tex, I would yeah, say. Yeah, they are. My Absolutely. Opinion. Yeah. Obviously not the same price. Well, I mean, if the Unknown Spaces episode taught us anything, it's that Gore-Tex is kind of just overrated anyway. So, I've heard it said. And I would remain impartial on that point. Yeah, but, okay. Yeah. Stand neutral yeah, on it. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just repeating what I heard. Someone else said that, not me. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, somebody else can say it's fine. Like, Yeah, someone else can say it. It's fine. All right. Well, again, thank you for coming on today, sharing your life story. Um, and I'll catch you on hopefully a Patreon episode sometime soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I'll hopefully speak to you soon. Yeah, I need a piece of this about this one.